Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. The History of the World podcast, written and presented by Chris Hasler. Volume 4, The Medieval World, Episode 53, The Battle of Kutna Hora. The settlement called Kutna Hora is in the modern country of the Czech Republic, just short of 50 miles east of the modern Czech capital city of Prague. The Czech Republic represents the westernmost expansion of Slavic peoples during the early Middle Ages. This area of Europe gives us a very fine example of cultural evolution through the ages, with skeletal remains of both Neanderthal and modern Homo sapiens demonstrating an interspecies existence. Much in the same way of early human art, including figurines, have been excavated in Czech lands. A progression of cultures from Stone Age to Bronze Age to Iron Age can be mapped through artefacts discovered in this area. Iron Age excavations relate closely to the Celtic cultures of Central Europe. During the Classical Age, this area was subject to migrations from Germanic tribes looking to push the Celtic tribes out of the area. This area may have been the most northern extent of the Roman Empire, and an area where tensions between the Romans and Germanic tribes such as the Marcomanni would have been high. The lands of the modern Czech Republic have often represented borderlands or cultural frontiers, and this may be due to how continentally central they are. When the Huns migrated into Europe from the Eurasian steppe from the end of the 4th century, these lands would have represented their westernmost expansion. The Huns did not occupy these lands for many generations, and the Germanic tribes moved back into the area after the decline of the Huns. During the 6th century, the Franks would expand from the west into these lands. The Franks were a powerful Germanic tribe in their own right. The next major westward expansion from the Eurasian steppe was from the Avars, who may have been a Turkic peoples. Their westward expansion would have pushed Slavic tribes of Eastern Europe into the borderlands of the Franks. During the 7th century, the Chronicle of Fadigar, a Frankish chronicle, reported a battle called the Battle of Vorgastisburg, in which Slavic tribes were in battle with the expanding Franks. The Slavic tribes were led by a man called Samo, who was originally a Frankish merchant, 
and had united the Slavic tribes originally against their Avar enemies before defending their lands against Frankish invaders. It has been strongly suggested that this battle may have taken place in Bohemia, roughly the western side of the modern Czech Republic. These are the earliest signs of a Slavic identity in the region, if we are accurate. The eastward expansions of the Frankish king Charlemagne in the late 8th century brought the Slavic Bohemia under the influence of the Frankish Empire. After the death of Charlemagne, the West Slavs in the area formed a nation called Great Moravia. Due to the breakup of the Frankish Empire, Great Moravia would border the lands of East Francia, which would later be recognised as Germany. With Great Moravia being centred on the lands of the modern East of the Czech Republic and its neighbours Slovakia, Bohemia would become a contested borderland between Great Moravia and East Francia. It was during this period that the West Slavs of Great Moravia became Christianised, and this meant that writing would come to the West Slavs with their own alphabet called the Glagolitic script, an early form of the Cyrillic script, which is used today in Russia and many surrounding countries, including Bulgaria. When the Przemyslids became the ruling dynasty in the Duchy of Bohemia, they would slowly begin to gravitate politically towards the East Francians, opting to secede from Great Moravia. After the collapse of Great Moravia in 907, the Bohemians would take control of their heartlands with the support of the East Francians. When the Hungarians invaded Bavaria, the Bohemians supported the East Francians at the Battle of Lechfeld in 955, which saw an East Francian victory. The East Francian state would be the beginnings of what would be referred to as Germany, and the victor at the Battle of Lechfeld, the German king Otto the Great, would be granted the title Holy Roman Emperor by the Pope, and the German kingdom would be the heartlands of what would be called the Holy Roman Empire, a Christian state that would be a huge influence over Central Europe. The Bohemians would benefit hugely from the defeat of the Hungarians at Lechfeld. The Duchy of Bohemia would become absorbed into the Holy Roman Empire, but the Holy Roman Emperor declared that the rulers of Bohemia would be classed as kings. And during the 12th century, Bohemia would become a kingdom in its own right with a good degree of autonomy. During the 13th century, the Mongol invasion of Europe from the east brought the Mongols to the eastern border of Bohemia. But the Mongols were not able to gain influence over the Bohemian heartlands, leaving the town of Kutnahora and its silver mines under Bohemian rule. The town of Kutnahara grew from the 12th century beginnings to become the second largest and most influential city in Bohemia, second only to Prague. The Holy Roman Empire The Holy Roman Empire was based on the Kingdom of Germany, which was formed from the easternmost European conquests of the Frankish Emperor Charlemagne over the end of of the 8th century and the beginning of the 9th century. 
Charlemagne would subjugate the Saxons and the Bavarians in Central Europe, creating a vast Frankish empire that would stretch from the southern borders of the Kingdom of Denmark in the north to the city of Rome in the south, and from the Bay of Biscay and Brittany in the west to the modern Austrian state of Carinthia in the east. When the Frankish Empire was split between Charlemagne's grandsons during the 9th century, the easternmost lands were called East Francia. Charlemagne was the first man to be granted the title Emperor of the Romans by the Pope. This was not a title which came with lands, but it was an honorific title which symbolised the high esteem that Charlemagne was held in by the papacy. It was also a means by which the Pope could belittle the religious importance of the Byzantine Empire, which was a way of enhancing the religious importance of the city of Rome by comparison to the city of Constantinople. For Charlemagne, there was little in the way of significance to him in the title Emperor of the Romans. If anything, it might only serve to antagonise other nations which Charlemagne had no interest in antagonising. The title Emperor of the Romans had little political significance to the holder of the title until the election of Otto the Great to the position of King of East Francia during the 10th century. The Kingdom of East Francia, also known as the Kingdom of Germany, would come to be called the Holy Roman Empire. Unlike Charlemagne, for Otto the Great, the reward of the honorific title would elevate Otto to a position where he could demand greater respect of the other Christian nations and justify his position against non-Christian enemies. Otto used his power to expand German influence into northern Italy. The Holy Roman Empire would struggle to maintain its influence against the Slavic tribes to the northeast of the Elbe River at the end of the 10th century, but under the Salian king Conrad II, the Kingdom of Burgundy to the west was brought under German influence, which marked a high point for the Holy Roman Empire during the first half of the 11th century. However, this also marked a period where the papacy realised that it had created a monster in the Holy Roman Empire, as now the Holy Roman Emperors would instate their own choices for bishops contrary to the will of the popes, and this would bring the papacy and the Holy Roman Empire into political conflict with one another in an episode of history called the Investiture Controversy. As popes and Holy Roman Emperors came and went, so some were more willing to build bridges than others. The Holy Roman Emperor Frederick Barbarossa was particularly keen to remind the Italians that northern Italy was accountable to him, and this led to a lot of ill feeling towards the Holy Roman Emperor in Italy. And what's more is that the papacy would support the Italians. This led to a battle at Legnano in the 1170s that would result in a proud victory for the Italians and demonstrate that the Holy Roman Empire was not infallible. Frederick Barbarossa's successor, Henry VI, would conquer the Kingdom of Sicily in the south of the Italian peninsula, but this would create further anxiety between the Emperor and the Papacy. It was not until a succession crisis for the Crown of Germany took place during the 13th century 
that the power of the Holy Roman Emperor was diminished as the local territorial lordships of the Holy Roman Empire were able to exercise more power and influence. As mentioned before, the kings of Bohemia were from the house of Przemyslid. A Luxembourgish count called John married a Przemyslid princess called Elizabeth, the daughter of the Bohemian king Wenceslaus II. John would become the first Luxembourgish king of Bohemia and he was a highly respected European knight. Later in his life, he would lose his eyesight and this led to him being given the name John the Blind. He lost his life fighting against the English at the Battle of Crecy in 1346. His son, Charles, escaped the battle and took the place of his father as the King of Bohemia. The Pope Clement VI had fallen out with the Holy Roman Emperor Louis IV and looked to support Charles as a rival to Louis. When Louis died the following year, the Pope declared that Charles would become Charles IV, King of the Romans, therefore paving the way for Charles to become the first King of Bohemia, to become the Holy Roman Emperor. Charles would then take steps to eliminate papal interference in the election of German kings by issuing a golden bull that would cement the means by which the king was elected by his peers. The Hussites. The papacy, since the creation of the papal states, had been a political position as well as a religious one. The Pope would be the leader of his nation as well as his bishopric, but this was certainly not unusual in the medieval world where bishops could be military leaders and could rule their bishoprics, acting as a monarch would. Many bishops would be quite wealthy as a result of their power, which would not necessarily be seen as a very Christian method of existence when compared to some of the monastic movements who saw the act of asceticism as the correct way to honour Jesus and God in respect of Jesus' earthly existence. However, even monasteries could become very wealthy through donations. Some monasteries would use their wealth in order to travel and undertake missions to convert non-believers and support the sick and poor. Others would be guilty of using monasticism to finance their own ambitions. Some Christian monastic orders would become very powerful, especially after receiving the blessing of the Pope, becoming military active in a time during the Christian Crusades. Examples are the Templars, the Hospitallers and the Teutonic Knights. During the 12th century, a people's rebellion emerged in Rome against the nobility and the papacy. It was instigated by Giordano Pierleoni, the brother of an antipope, whose actions led to the establishment of the Commune of Rome in 1144, which saw the removal of secular power from the Pope and the instatement of a Commune. The spiritual justification of this movement was given by a monk called Arnold of Brescia. Arnold had been a controversial figure before the rise of the Commune, due to his opinions about ecclesiastic wealth. Arnold believed that the church, and as such the Pope, 
should not have possessions and instead should choose to live a life of apostolic poverty in order to represent Christianity correctly. The Commune of Rome would not last and Arnold would be captured, tried and executed by hanging, not for being a heretic but for being a rebel. Arnold's followers would be condemned as heretics by the Pope, however, so it seemed that the papacy feared those movements which challenged its right as a religious ruler to have secular power and wealth. Later in the 12th century in southeast France, a wealthy merchant called Peter Waldo commissioned the translation of the Bible into his vernacular tongue and became fascinated by the lure of the ascetic lifestyle. So he gave up his wealth and possessions and travelled the lands preaching about the Christian value of poverty. The Pope determined that Waldo and his followers were not of a societal standing for such preaching to be permissible, as Waldo was not a member of the clergy. Waldo and his followers had to flee to the mountains to avoid persecution for their practices Some historians cast doubt on the story of Peter Waldo, suggesting that he was created to enhance anti-Catholic sentiments. An Italian man called Giovanni di Pietro di Bernardoni was born in the late 12th century and was the son of a wealthy silk merchant. He too went through experiences in life that attracted him to an ascetic life of poverty and preaching but he did not want to go the same way as others before him, so he sought an audience with the Pope for validation, and he was successful in receiving a papal blessing. Giovanni's father had always called his son Francisco, which is why we now refer to this man as Francis of Assisi, and why we refer to his followers as Franciscans. The Order of the Franciscans was not commissioned by the Pope, but the blessing of Francis of Assisi effectively allowed the Franciscans to practice without being accused of heresy. During the 14th century, an English scholar called John Wycliffe spoke of how he felt the clergy were enjoying too much wealth. He would begin to translate the Bible into his local vernacular and promote the words of the Bible as the true words of God, whereas the Pope was highly unreliable by comparison. Wycliffe was dismissed from the University of Oxford for his highly controversial opinions that not only attacked the papacy and the Roman Catholic Church, but also monasticism. Wycliffe would gain followers and these followers would be branded as lollards by those looking to condemn them after Wycliffe's death in the 1380s. The term lollard is likely to have been used for those who spoke out against the Roman Catholic Church before this period as the word is likely to derive from a Dutch word for a mutterer and was used in a very dismissive manner towards Wycliffe's followers. Wycliffe was posthumously declared a heretic and the Catholic Church Council declared that his work should be destroyed. The same council were responsible for the arrest of a Bohemian priest called Jan Hus who had been inspired by the writings of John Wycliffe and declared his own distaste for the behaviour of the Roman Catholic Church, also mentioning the moral incorrectness of selling indulgences, or in other words, religious pardons. Jan Hus had been 
excommunicated by the Pope and was invited to the Council of Constance, seemingly under false pretenses, where he would be arrested and executed by being burned at the stake. The fact that the King of Germany, Sigismund, was complicit in the deceit of Jan Hus angered many Bohemians who rallied to the memory of Jan Hus and as his followers are referred to by the name Hussites. King Sigismund Earlier in the episode we told of how King Charles of Bohemia was the first Bohemian monarch to be granted the title of Holy Roman Emperor, ruling as Charles IV. Charles would have four wives over the course of his life and as such would sire many children. Charles died in Prague in 1378, having reached his 60s. The crown of Bohemia would pass to his teenage son, who would rule Bohemia as King Wenceslaus IV. Wenceslaus's younger half-brother was Sigismund, another son of Charles IV, who was barely a teenager on his father's death. Before his father's death, Sigismund had been betrothed to Mary, the daughter of the King of Hungary. When Mary's father, Louis the Great, the King of Hungary, died in 1382, the throne of Hungary passed to Mary, but she was no more than 11 years of age. Sigismund married Mary in 1385 and was accepted as the King of Hungary. Sigismund's time as the ruler of Hungary was very difficult indeed. There were many out to depose him for their own personal gain and Sigismund had to work hard to develop diplomatic relationships with those who would support him in keeping his throne. When his queen Mary was in her twenties she would venture out hunting while heavily pregnant and fall from her horse fatally injuring her and her child. As the 14th century drew to a close, the Ottomans were becoming very powerful in the Balkans, threatening the very existence of the Byzantine Empire. This prompted the Pope Boniface IX to declare a crusade against the Ottomans, with King Sigismund of Hungary being the closest powerful Christian monarch to the Ottoman Turks. Representatives from every corner of Christian Europe joined the Crusader army that fought against the Ottomans at the Battle of Nicopolis in 1396. The battle was a huge medieval battle and the Ottomans would defeat Sigismund's Crusader army, which enabled the Ottomans to cement their unchallenged presence in Europe. The whole episode did nothing to help the security of Sigismund's position on the throne of Hungary, and his older brother Wenceslaus was deposed as the king of Germany, so Sigismund captured his older brother Wenceslaus and forced him to sign over his possessions. Sigismund would make a personal bid for the throne of Germany himself, and was actually successful, being officially elected in the year 1411. Wenceslaus would leave Sigismund to be the king of Germany uncontested, as long as Wenceslaus could remain the king of Bohemia. And so, this was the case. Since the end of the 14th century, there had been 
different claimants for the position of Pope. The papacy had moved to Avignon in France, but an intention to move back to Rome later in the century led to there being two separately supported popes existing in both Avignon and Rome. In 1409, yet another claimant emerged in the Italian city of Pisa. This period is referred to as the Western Schism, and the Council of Constance was called in order to iron out this situation, as well as to discuss other matters relating to the condition of Roman Catholicism in Europe. With King Sigismund officially holding the title of King of the Romans, he would play an important role in the council. Sigismund and the council demanded the abdication of all three papal claimants, so that a new and approved pope could be supported. So on that level, the council was a success. One failure of the council was to help the Teutonic order to reach a peaceful resolution with the Kingdom of Poland and the Grand Duchy of Lithuania. One of the more controversial acts was the capture and execution of Jan Hus, a man who challenged the behaviour of European clergy. It was controversial due to the fact that King Sigismund is said to have lured Jan Hus to the council under false pretenses. This caused a great uprising in Jan Hus's native Bohemia by his followers called the Hussites. Sigismund's older brother, King Wenceslaus IV of Bohemia, did his best to stop outright rebellion from the Hussites. In 1419, King Wenceslaus died of a heart attack at the age of 58, and the next natural successor to the throne of Bohemia was Sigismund. This turn of events was too much for the Hussites in Bohemia, and the tension would boil over into warfare. Jan Zyska Jan Zyska was born to a Bohemian family that was part of the gentry, although not on the upper levels. Historians believe that he was not a wealthy young man, and he may have chosen to take on the lifestyle of a mercenary fighter as a consequence. It is thought to be commonplace for lower gentry to be taken advantage of by their overlords or by more powerful gentry, so Jan Zyska may have lived the life of an outlaw and we know that he was accused of banditry. He may have just been trying to do whatever he could to retain his wealth in a land where his social position was not highly respected and his possessions were at risk. If he was deprived of his land holdings illegally, then he may have chosen a life of banditry as a consequence. Jan Zyska's physical appearance was noticeable due to the fact that he lost an eye, but it is not clear how he lost it. Some historians believe that he could have lost it while fighting as an adolescent. Historians have tried to piece together the story of his young life and what his relationship was with the Bohemian royal court of King Wenceslaus IV. It appears that he was in conflict with the Rosenberg family, who were a Bohemian noble family that opposed King Wenceslaus IV. Jan Zyska was granted a royal pardon for his crimes by King Wenceslaus IV in 1409, which has led historians to believe that there was an understanding between Jan Zyska 
and King Wenceslaus against their common enemy, the House of Rosenberg. It does appear that Jan Zischke was present at the great medieval battle called the Battle of Grunwald, which took place in 1410 in the lands of the Teutonic Order. In this battle, Bohemian mercenaries supported Poland and Lithuania. When Jan Hus was preaching his religious position in opposition to the Roman Catholic Church, the Queen of King Wenceslaus, Sophie of Bavaria, would attend his sermons, and she was likely accompanied by Jan Zyska, who had been appointed as her chamberlain. As we know, Wenceslaus's half-brother, Sigismund, was a key player in the deceit and execution of Jan Hus, and when Hus's followers the Hussites rose up against Hussi's execution. King Wenceslaus and Queen Sophie were put in a difficult diplomatic position. As for Jan Zyska, it was clear that he was on the side of the Hussites. In fact, the religious attitudes of Bohemia started to become very complex. The Hussite movement was not completely uniform in its religious opinions, and many splinter sects and movements emerged that could be thrown into a catch-all term called Hussite. Some Hussite movements were moderate, while others were quite radical. There were also other sects in Bohemia, such as the Neo-Adamists, who opposed the Hussite movements. Eventually, Jan Jishka would become involved with a Hussite movement centred on the town of Tarbur, that became known as the Tarburites. Prelude to the Battle The Battle of Kutnahora is part of a wider series of conflicts called the Hussite Wars. On the 30th of July 1419, a protest march took place in the city of Prague in order to campaign against the imprisonment of Hussites within the town hall. Reportedly, stones were thrown from the windows of the town hall at the protesters and this raised tensions. Some of the marchers stormed the town hall and defenestrated several officials. The act of defenestration is the ejection of someone from a window. None of the defenestrated officials survived. This act brought the situation to a point of no return. The Hussites moved to take control of the city and this act could not just simply be allowed the Hussites would initiate the construction of an army to defend themselves against whatever was coming next. Very soon after this event, the King Wenceslaus IV of Bohemia died of a heart attack. It is speculated that this was caused by the stress of the situation that he had tried hard to prevent through diplomatic strategy. The death of Wenceslaus did not help the situation because this meant that the natural successor would be his younger half-brother, the King of Germany, Sigismund. Sigismund, as the titular King of the Romans, was responsible in part for the execution of Jan Hus, the martyr of the Hussites. So Sigismund was never going to be welcomed in Bohemia, especially when many would claim that the King of Bohemia should be an elected role and not inherited. Sigismund would take a belligerent stance against the political situation in Bohemia and would appeal to Pope Martin V 
who had been elected by the Council of Constance, the same council where Sigismund betrayed Jan Hus. Pope Martin declared a crusade against the heretics of Bohemia, which included the Hussites. Military orders would look to target Hussite groups in Bohemia. Jan Jiska and the Tarborites would be included among the targets. It was quickly discovered that the Hussites could be incredibly resolute in the face of attack, with some small and simply armoured groups of peasants finding ingenious ways to defend themselves by selecting favourable locations and strategising incredibly well. However, with no clear leadership or any form of monarchy, the large numbers of Hussites in Bohemia would splinter off into different factions, with different principles and different objectives. We already know of Jan Zyska's Tarborites, but the Utraquists were another Hussite movement who did not want the radical social upheaval that the Tarborites favoured. The Utraquists simply looked for some reforms of the church, so this describes well the difference between moderate Hussites and the radical Hussites. The Tarborites were much more aggressive in their intentions and would spread their influence as a consequence, even setting up churches in neighbouring kingdoms such as Hungary and Poland. The Battle of Kutna Hora In the early winter of the year 1421, the army of the Holy Roman Empire and their allies, led by King Sigismund, King of Germany, Hungary and Croatia, closed in on the town of Kutna Hora where Jan Zyska and the Tarborites were in waiting. It's no surprise to know that Zygismund's army contained the heavy cavalry that the descendant nations of the Franks, such as Germany, were very proud to contain. Zygismund's army reportedly contained over 50,000 men, with many of the troops being of Hungarian or Austrian descent. The Austrians were a peoples centred on the Habsburg-controlled city of Vienna. With such a large army and the highly successful medieval luxury of heavy cavalry at his disposal, it was highly likely that the forces of Sigismund would overrun the simple peasant army of Jan Jiska. Even with all of Jan Jiska's wealth of experience on the battlefield, he would surely not be able to stand up to the highly organised and strongly funded military machine of the Holy Roman Empire. Jan Jiska's peasant army did have crossbowmen, another highly utilised middle-aged weaponry. But he would also have gunpowder weapons ranging from handguns through to cannons. He would also be known to use his transport wagons as vehicles for those using such weapons to navigate around the battlefield, something that was somewhat unheard of since ancient times when it was surpassed by mounted light cavalry. King Sigismund was ably assisted by his close confidant, the Italian general Pippo Spano. Spano would secure the city of Kutnahora, forcing Jan Zyska's army into the countryside. The Holy Roman Empire's crusader army closed in on the Tarborites, and the situation was looking bleak. It came down to Zyska to come up with an innovative strategy to attempt to desperately escape the situation. So he encircled his troops 
with wagons containing weapon-wielding soldiers supported by carts containing field cannons. Then, as the Imperial Army approached the vulnerable peasant Tarborite army, Yan Zhishka ordered his war wagons to advance at speed towards the enemy lines. The war wagons would accelerate across the battlefield, deploying all weapons at their opponents, whether they be crossbows, handguns or cannons. Staggeringly, the Tarborites managed to blast their way through the Imperial Army and escape their trap on the battlefield. Sigismund ordered an advance on the Tarborite army camp, but when he arrived it was deserted and Jan Zhishka and his army were long gone after looking like they were in an impossible bind. Aftermath The escape of the Tarborites from the Battle of Kutnahora was a victory for the Hussites in the larger Hussite wars which continued for many years to come. Jan Zhishka's innovative mobile artillery used agricultural weapons to contain and protect weapons and their operators, which were being pulled using horsepower at speed towards the enemy. They were difficult to contain and difficult to stop, almost like a medieval tank. While in a defensive formation, the wagons would encircle the main army and so this type of base is called a wagon fort and also referred to as a tabor which seems highly likely to come from the same etymology as the Tarborites, the innovators of the war tactic. What is quite astonishing about Jan Zhishka's achievements at the Battle of Kutnahora is the fact that accounts tell us that he was fully blind at the time of the battle, having lost his one remaining good eye after successfully besieging Rabi Castle earlier in the year. Jishka would also recognise the issue of the fragmentation of the Hussites and attempt to invite the monarchs of neighbouring countries to take control of the Bohemian throne, but none of the negotiations worked out. Nevertheless, he still fought bravely for the Hussite cause despite his blindness until he contracted plague in 1424, which would take his life. The continuing Hussite wars may have been more successful had the Hussites not been battling with each other during the intervals of their struggles with the Imperial armies. Amazingly, the Hussites still managed to defend themselves successfully against the numerous crusades waged against them over the following year, but their long-term plans were compromised when the Utraquists, a moderate Hussite faction, defeated the Tarborites in a battle at the Battle of Lipani in 1434. The Utraquists were interested in peace talks with the Holy Roman Empire, while the Tarborites were not. The Utraquist victory eliminated the Tarborites and the radical Hussite movement. Nonetheless, the Utraquists were still fundamentally Hussite and still campaigning for reform in the Catholic Church. They refused to accept the Pope as the Christian authority and pointed to the Bible as the true authority. Like other opponents of the papacy and the church before them, they would translate the Bible into the vernacular Czech language so that more people were able to refer to the words of the Bible directly and question the words of the Christian establishment. King Sigismund decided to accept peace negotiations with the Utraquists 
the moderate Hussite movement in 1434. Most of Bohemia was sympathetic to the Hussite cause by now, so the negotiation became both reasonable and necessary for King Sigismund. Being the Holy Roman Emperor, having been crowned as such in Rome in 1433, Sigismund had many international issues to deal with besides the situation in Bohemia, which is why the peaceful resolution was beneficial to him in the grand scheme of things. It would be in 1437 when King Sigismund died at the age of 69, having lived a very eventful life. The failure of the Holy Roman Empire to eliminate the Hussite movement was a problem for the Catholic Church as its influence over Bohemia was now seriously diminished and this would resurface after further challenges broke out in Europe against Roman Catholic practices that signalled the age of the Reformation when Christian factions across the continent began to splinter away from the Roman Catholic Church and the Bohemians felt that they had more continental sympathisers. This major outbreak of anti-Catholic sentiment was the beginning of the Reformation and the birth of Protestantism as a major religious movement. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Thank you very much for listening to this week's episode of the History of the World podcast on the Battle of Kutna Hora and a little bit of an insight into the beginnings of Protestantism and the Reformation um, and uh, a little bit of an introduction to the Hussites and the origins of uh, Bohemia and the Czech Republic. So thank you for listening. If you enjoy the episode and you enjoy the podcast, then please do consider making a financial contribution. You can go to the historyoftheworldpodcast.com website, click on the Patreon link and sign up to make a monthly contribution. You can qualify for rewards, you can get gifts posted to you, you can get um, questions answered on the podcast episodes and you can also get um, episodes of the podcast commissioned on the subject of your choosing. So um, take advantage of that. Also, it's possible to subscribe to the podcast on Spotify. And when you do either of those things, you can access special episodes of the podcast. Um, Most weeks we publish a a, a special uh, Hot World uh, History of the World podcast Illuminati members episode. And you can either access that through Spotify or even through Patreon. So you get a little bit of something extra. Listener messages and reviews. Kit Dale wrote in and said, Just found you recently. I have very much enjoyed Volume 1, Episodes 1 to 14. I listen while I'm working, so I sometimes miss things and have to re-listen to parts and enjoy it as much the second time. That means well done. I look forward to all to come and thank you very kindly. Uh, Thank you very much, Kit. 
Jenny um, has written in and put, I just found your podcast and I've already listened to the first volume on the prehistoric world. I absolutely love listening and plan to recommend it to friends and family. Keep up the great work. Best Jenny Scottsdale, Arizona. Thank you very much, Jenny. And then finally, we've got Emily Powers. who put, Hi, Chris. I've not received my gift pack yet. Have you sent it uh, from Emily? Well, there was an issue with um, postage uh, from the UK to international destinations. Um, I'm pleased to say that I've ordered some equipment that will help me overcome all of those constraints that have uh, suddenly hit our ability to send international parcels in 2023. And um, as of next week, um, I will be sending some of the parcels out. So just allow a few weeks and and um, you should start receiving um, your gifts, those of you who are entitled. So just a little bit of patience, but they are definitely on their way. Don't worry. Anyway, thank you so much for listening this week. Next week, we'll be doing a um, we'll be doing a summary of medieval Europe and it may take us two or three episodes to do that but um, that will be the, the our ability to round up the European story of the medieval world before we move on to other areas of the world rather interestingly so um, join me next week for that have a great week everyone and don't forget be good look Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating all the must not take yourself too seriously and 6-1 since that matters. And what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. The History of the World Podcast. Written and presented by Chris Hasler. Please consider making a financial contribution by going to the historyoftheworldpodcast.com website and clicking on the Patreon link. Email the show at historyoftheworldpodcast at mail.com And don't forget to join our social media at Facebook, Twitter, Instagram and Tumblr. See you next time.